Hello, this is Donnie Foster, the pastor of the Journey Church in Fort Worth, Texas. My prayer is the message you are about to hear will be a source of blessing and encouragement in your life. At the conclusion, I'll share a few closing words and a prayer. May the Lord bless you as you listen. I was scheduled to preach again in, in September. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming I'm still scheduled to preach in September. We'll see how today goes. Um, but I had this idea involving Beauty and the Beast, and I was like, I'm going to save that for September. Well, um, as you know, we're leaving for kids camp tomorrow, and, and initially I had written three or four different versions of a sermon that I was going to give today involving our junior camp theme, God is Greater. And the fact of the matter is, that would have been a decent message, I think, you know, it, as far as I could tell from what I wrote, I made very, was very sure and careful to make sure it was biblical, you know, there's nothing wrong with it in its essence, it's just last night, and Hillary will attest about 10 o'clock, uh, God said, hey, don't do that, do the Beauty and the Beast sermon, I was like, okay, so I came up here, and I was up here till about 1.45 last night, so if I look sleepy, that's why, um, sometimes the Lord just changes plans, obviously, I will do my best to get through this without breaking down. I'll probably break down. But just bear in mind that we're going to be looking at, at the Word of God a little differently today. Uh, a few weeks ago, I came home on a Wednesday night. Uh, Timory had been up here at the church with me all day. And, and my, my sister and my dad had helped me out quite a bit with her um, while my mom wasn't able to keep her for us that particular day. And, and Hillary came and picked her up. And, and I was like, hey, y'all don't stay for church tonight. Timory has been here for two days straight. She doesn't need to be up here anymore. Just go home and, and hang out with her. And so that's what she did. And I came home from church that night, and in the floor, Hillary's watching Beauty and the Beast with, with Timory. And I was like, well, I'm not doing anything. I don't have any plans. I'm going to sit down and watch Beauty and the Beast. And I was stunned at how hilarious this movie is. I don't know if y'all have seen Beauty and the Beast in a while, but I sat there and watched it. I was laughing hysterically. I, I was loving it. I was, I was crying a little bit. And it was just like, wow, what? why is this movie so good, <laughs> you know, and I was just like, wow, this is, this is really cool, but then, um, this is the part that might make me cry, but Hillary had to get up and leave the room to go do something in another part of our apartment for a little while, and while she's in there um, doing what she's doing, I'm watching Timory, and we're watching the movie, I know she's only five months old, she's gonna have absolutely no memory of this, that's okay, but it was really cool for me, um, the song came on, and I'm gonna pick up your kid and play with them, so I'm I've got Timory, and we start dancing, and we're, I'm singing. The, the, Hillary watches every movie and TV show with subtitles. I don't like it, but it's okay. I don't judge her for it anymore, but we're singing a lot. It was, it was beneficial to me because I didn't know the words. And so I'm singing the song, reading the screen to Timory, and, and, and dancing with her. And, and then the words really started jumping out at me about what this song really has in it. There's a very cool message within the song, and it was as if as I was watching the TV and as I was listening to the music and I was just hanging out with my daughter, God was just hitting me over the head with a club saying, hey, are you listening? Do you, you see what's going on in this, in this moment, in this story? And I was like, okay, yeah, I see it, but let's just put it away for now and we'll worry about it, you know, later. And then came time for me to prepare for today, and now you know the rest of the story. Well, all that was going on, and as the song was playing, you know, I, over the next couple of days, as Savannah will attest, I listened to the song on repeat quite a bit and listened to every version of the song. There's multiple versions that Disney has produced. You've got the one you just heard by, sung by the incredible Angela Lansbury. You have the Emma Thompson version from the 2017. You also have the Celine Dion and um, uh, that guy's name, I think his name was like Peebo or something, that was at the tail end of this movie. 
And then you also have the John Legendary on a Grande version, which it's all right, but it's not Celine. So you got all these different versions. I listened to every single one of those on repeat for days, and I was just like, man, why, why am I struck by this song so much? And then I began to think about the romance that began in a very unexpected way between Belle and Prince Adam, the Beast. And then I thought about the curse on the castle of the Beast and his servants and how they were made to live as common household items until the Beast was able to find true love and also for that love to be reciprocated by his love. And I was like, whoa, there's something there. And I kept thinking about the words in that song, a tale as old as time and a song as old as rhyme, beauty and the Beast. And... I couldn't help but see a picture of Christ and the church. Uh, an eternal tale that, that transcends time. That, that Christ, being outside of time, sees so much. That he sees this tale, an eternal tale that it transcends time. I, I couldn't help but see a picture of Christ and the church thought over and over again about the beautiful imagery and revelation of the marriage supper of the Lamb, about the pure and intense love sung in the Song of Solomon, about the blissful way of life Adam and Eve experienced in the Garden of Eden before sin entered the world. I, I just couldn't stop thinking about all of these different things. I kept seeing those pictures, and it just over and over I kept seeing beauty and the beast. When we look at the overall story of the Bible, in the beginning there was perfection until it was ruined by a beast. But this was no ordinary beast. It wasn't a beast brought on by a magical curse that involves a, a rose, and, and it doesn't involve singing and dancing, although singing and dancing is a lot of fun. It, it was a beast brought on by temptation that gave birth to sin. In Romans chapter 5, which is, by the way, where we're going to be spending most of our time today, in Romans chapter 5, Paul writes that because of Adam, mankind is born into sin, but because of Christ, we can be reborn into life. A beautiful picture of how Adam had a chance to not screw things up, and of course he did, and that is why Jesus came to earth to fix all those screw-ups. Romans chapter 5 and, and verse 12, and then we're going to skip down to verse 18 after this one, but it says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Therefore, verse 18, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The sin we were born into automatically categorizes us as the beast. I want to say that again. The, the, the sin that we are born into categorizes us as the beast, because we are nothing more than a foul beast living in sin. We are undeserving of grace. 
we're undeserving of the righteousness of God. We don't deserve that at all. We have done absolutely nothing in our lives to gain favor with God because of our sin. We cannot do enough good to outweigh the bad. There is no chance that we could ever do something on a, of our own volition to obtain the favor of God. That is what makes us beasts. Now, you may be thinking, DJ, that's pretty harsh. Why are you calling me a beast? Listen, <laughs> the fact of the matter is, I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to me. We're all beasts when you get down to it. We are all corrupted by our own sin. We are all corrupted by the things that we do wrong, the things that go against God that is part of sin nature. That's what makes us the beast in the scenario. We, we look at the story of the beauty and the beast, and we, we're more like the beast, really, than we'd like to admit. We like to think that we're Belle whose name means beauty, and by the way, in French, in case you didn't know that. We, we think that we're Belle walking through the town saying, bonjour, 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 on our way to go pick up a book from the bookstore. And all the while, the bread maker is just like, look at this girl, her head's in the clouds, reading books. Da, 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 da. We like to think that we're Belle. We like to think that, that we're all real pretty. And the fact of the matter is, not so much y'all, but me, I'm pretty ugly. All right, we're all, we're all beasts is really what I'm coming down to. In reality, we, we most relate to the beast when we think we relate to Belle. Why is that? Well, it's because she's the beauty. We, we want to relate to the beauty. We want to relate to the hero, the heroine of the story, but we can't because we are the beast. The fact is, Belle is actually the image of Christ in this scenario, the beauty, if you will. The image of Christ is more beautiful than we often sometimes give it credit for. I, I've been on, I've had a, I'm very privileged in this, that I've been able to travel to multiple different countries and cities in the U.S. and on mission trips. And at each of the mission trips that I've been on, that I, I think every mission trip I've been on, maybe except for, um, no, I, all of them, every mission trip I've ever been on, I've had the opportunity to go into a Catholic cathedral somewhere. And here's a picture of, I believe this is St. Stephen's Chapel in Budapest, Hungary. Two different images, uh, the same image, but from different angles there of Christ hanging on the cross. I, I visited these different cathedrals. One in Boston with Josh Ferguson. Uh, I think about that time in that cathedral often, Josh. I just want you to know that. Um, we had a great conversation there in the cathedral that day. Uh, I've also been in another cathedral in Chicago, downtown Chicago. Very beautiful. I mean, the architecture of a, of a cathedral is immaculate. The amount of time and effort and energy that goes into making the, these kinds of churches look the way they do is unprecedented. They're absolute works of art. Um, the, the second, I've been to actually two uh, Catholic cathedrals in Budapest on either side of the river, this one on the screen being one of them, and then also one in Saltillo, Mexico. Uh, when I was in the, I just finished the seventh grade, and my parents, very, I'm glad they did this, and by the way, parents, if your kids if you want your kids to experience God in a different way, send them on a mission trip, okay? But my parents have done this with me and Savannah and Gavin to a certain extent. Brock's next. He just doesn't really probably realize that yet. But when I was in the seventh grade, my parents put me on a van with a, a group of people I didn't know. Uh, I know that sounds sketchy. It's not that sketchy. They were Christians. We're all good, okay? We go down to Mexico, and I meet up with other people that I actually did know. And we spent time down um, in the Cohila uh, province of Mexico there in near Saltillo. And... In this particular uh, cathedral, I saw images of Christ on a cross that 
he was just bleeding, and he's weak, and he's torn. And the truth is, in every cathedral I've ever been in, that's what you see. You see a broken Jesus. You see Jesus on a cross. You see him bleeding. He looks weak. He looks beside himself, unrecognizable. And it just doesn't make sense to me. In the, the cathedral I went to in Mexico, it was a very narrow entryway, and on either side were these two prayer rooms. And the prayer room on the right had a display case, a glass display case. And in it was a mannequin of Jesus, which already is kind of strange. But he's laying there with his hands open, kind of like this. And there's, they've splashed fake blood on him. And this Jesus, it even gave him like a teardrop tattoo. So he's like thug Jesus, the mannequin. It was real strange, okay? And he's, it's, he's, it's just laying there. And then a man, there's like a group of like 50 of us in this tiny little room. And then this one man comes in and kneels down and prays in front of it. I was like, this is kind of different. It's kind of odd. And this Jesus, I, I can still very vividly see it in my head in this display case, was sad. He was crying. It was pathetic looking. It was just this image of, it wasn't God. It wasn't the God that we worship. It wasn't the Jesus that I know that my Bible tells me about. In the church in Boston, as I'm sure Josh may remember, Josh and I looked at the walls on each side of the auditorium and saw amazing paintings of some of the most picturesque and most memorable and intense moments in all of the Gospels. We saw on the right-hand side the birth of Jesus at Christmas. And then on the other side, we see him turning water into wine. And then on the other side, we see uh, him feeding the 5,000 all the way up to Passion Week. And we see Palm Sunday. And then, of course, we get to the crucifixion. And then the story stopped. I don't know if you remember that. You remember that? The story stopped, and there was no depiction of the resurrection. I thought, that's the best part. Why, why is it that on the wall? By the way, every cathedral I've been in, I've seen no depictions of Jesus' ascension. I've seen no depictions of the resurrection. It's very sad to think about because apparently that part's being left out in what we would consider, some of us would consider, personally, I do not, a sister denomination to us. That's what's going on there. I couldn't believe that because the most beautiful part of the entire Bible is being left out of thousands of churches every single day and not being taught or communicated, even in a painting, or on a, in a mannequin, or on a cross, or something. All it is is just this emptiness, and it's leaving out the most beautiful part, which is the resurrection. Don't miss this, church. Without the resurrection, there is no reason to get up here and sing, this is amazing grace, great are you, Lord, and him of heaven. There is no reason to open your Bible if there is no resurrection, there is no reason to worship if Jesus did not walk out of the tomb and leave our sins in there to die on their own. There is no reason to worship because without the resurrection, there is no beauty and there is only the curse of the beast. That is all there is if Jesus did not walk out of the tomb. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, we have nothing to worship. We have nothing to say. We should close up shop and leave if that is the case. But the, that's the best part, though, is that there is a resurrection. 
And truth be told, in each of those cathedrals, like I said, I don't recall seeing any depictions of the resurrection. I believe this reason is for this. It's a lie told to so many faithful Catholics being led to believe they need to work their way into heaven and they're left hoping and praying to idols. Yes, I chose my words very specifically. Praying to idols, hoping, and just wishing. Essentially, wishing on a star, which is absolutely nuts. It makes nothing, it makes no sense outside of a Disney film. And just saying... They'll get there. I'll, I'll get there too. I'll, I'll see them. They're blissfully unaware, it seems, just hoping that they may one day see their loved ones and that one day that they might make it. And so many Catholics and also other religious faiths. I'm not just harping on Catholicism here. There are plenty of Baptists who think that's the case. All right? We're Baptists here, in case you didn't know that. And there's plenty of Church of Christ who think that way. There's plenty of Presbyterians. You can go down the list of Protestantism, and you can see how many people think, if I do enough good, I'll get to heaven. There's that old country song that says, working hard to get to heaven where I come from. That is not what the Bible teaches. You don't work hard to get to heaven. The work's been done. So many people are just left thinking that they're going to see their loved ones in an afterlife based on whimsy and false hope. And they're left under the curse that makes us all the beast. We need a beauty. We need a beauty. Because we are all beasts. Again, not to harp on Catholics, but the lack of a depiction of the reason we worship. It just is so striking to me. I don't, I don't fully understand it. I can't firmly grasp it. I don't know how to look at it. It just makes absolutely no sense to me. And when you look at the context of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, what you'll notice is that there's a little disagreement here in Thessalonica. Paul is basically reassuring the people there that, hey, just because your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ have died does not mean you will not one day see them again. In fact, what he's saying is he's writing to fellow believers and saying, hey, Those who have died before the final return of Jesus Christ, saying in verse 13, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who have fallen asleep, that you may not grieve as others do, who have no hope. He's saying, don't look at people who have died and say, I'm never going to see them again. No, your hope is in something greater. Those whose hope is not set in Christ will ultimately grieve. Because of false hope. We do not grieve as as those do. We do not grieve as they do because we have hope in the beauty to our beast. While we are still living in the curse of sin, we still can put our hope in the beauty. Because the beauty who died for us is the ultimate giver of hope. How do I know this? Earlier in Romans chapter 5, verse 2, it says this. Through him, we have also obtained access, that's a great phrasing there, obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Romans 5.8 says, but God shows his love for us that in while we were still sinners, you know this, Christ died for us. We were still sinners. We were still beasts. And beauty still died for us. God shows his love for us in that while we were still beasts, beauty died for us. Hebrews 11, chapter 6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists 
that he exists, that he is alive, that he is living, that there is a creator to this insane and nuts world, which is only messed up because of the curse of the beast, by the way, that whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. When the, be- when the beast seeks the beauty, the reward is sweet. It is incredible. It is immaculate. When the beast finds, uh, finally finds the beauty, the curse is lifted. Why? Because the beauty looks on the beast, and what does the beauty do? Expresses love. When all the beast deserves is condemnation, damnation, death, hell, and eternal torment. That is exactly what every single human being who has ever lived deserves. But you know what? That is why beauty enters the story. But the beauty, the beauty does exactly what the Bible says he will do. Because of the beauty of God, the curse of sin is lifted from us beasts when we seek him. Yes, the Father is running after us, as we talked about a few weeks ago during our camp service. But you know what? we got to run after the Father. We have to seek God. Why do we have to seek God? Because without him, we're, we're living a lie. We're living in death. We're living in sin. And if we don't seek after him, we will take on that curse. And it will stay with us throughout the rest of eternity. I don't know if you're hearing me. We... If we do not see Jesus, if we do not accept Christ as our Savior, we live in eternal hell. We live in death forever if we continue to subscribe to the curse of the beast. When we accept Christ, here's what we do. We look to him. We place our faith in him. When we do those things, the curse of sin is lifted from us and what are we made to be? We are made to be beautiful. We're made to be a beauty. There's no catch. It's not a gimmick. It's not even really a quick fix. It's not the flex seal of salvation. It's not duct tape. I like duct tape. I take duct tape with me every trip I go on. And guess what? I've had to use it a few times. It's a quick fix, but it ain't getting a whole catalytic converter replaced, is it? No, it's not. If you need, if you need a quick fix, it's fine. But at the same time, that is not what Christ is. Christ is an eternal fix. It's something that takes care of everything. It's an eternal commitment. It's a lot like a marriage. When Adam saw God <laughs> and what he had made for him, his wife Eve, he saw he read, he says in Genesis chapter 2 verse 23, this at last, bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. He says, "God, you took this from me and made it for me?" Whoa. I can't, I can't believe you do that. The bride in Song of Solomon. Yeah, I'm reading Song of Solomon this morning. Chapter 7, verse 10, it says this. I am my beloved. I am my beloved. So I belong to my beloved. And his desire is for me. That's what the bride says of her, of her groom, that, that I belong to him. Finally, in Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 through 8, it says this, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. 
Y'all should be hooping and hollering. I don't know what your problem is. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Those who have passed on, those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb are clothed in the righteous good works of Christians here on earth. That's insane. That's some good stuff. That's incredible that God would allow us to participate in something like that. Those who place their hope and faith in Jesus Christ are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. What is the marriage supper of the Lamb? I'll tell you what the marriage supper of the Lamb is. It's Thanksgiving. It's the best steak dinner you ever had. It's the best wedding cake you ever had. It's the biggest bowl of ice cream you ever had. It's the tastiest snow cone you ever had. It's a root beer malt for Donnie Foster. I'm telling you, it's all these different things times eternity, multiplied by eternity. Every great meal you've ever had in your life, multiplied by eternity. And guess what? You can't put a price on that. You know why you can't put a price on it? Because Jesus already paid it. He paid for it on the cross. You can't do that. You can't do what Jesus did. I can't do what Jesus did. You might think, man, my parents are awesome. I got good godly parents. Oh, they'll, they'll, they'll be the reason I get to heaven. Oh, my granny, she prayed every single day. Your granny can't get you to heaven. She can try. It ain't going to work. You, you, I went to church. I tithed. I gave to missions. I, I, I spent way too much money in the youth auction on stuff I barely needed. I, I prayed for people to get to camp. I, I, gave, I gave DJ gas money so he could get the kids to junior camp, wink, wink, and all of that. I'm just kidding. And all that to say, I did all these things. And guess what? When you stand before Christ and you say, Lord, I did this for you. I worked all these things. I, I, I went to church, I gave my tithe, I did all this stuff. And guess what? It's all absolutely worthless if you don't live it daily and you don't accept the beauty and rid yourself of the curse of the beast. If you, if you don't do that, there's not a chance that you will ever be invited or I will ever be invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb, because the only one who could pay that price, the only one who could foot the bill is the host and simultaneously the guest of honor at the marriage supper of the Lamb. In case you don't know, his name is Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Prince of Peace, Adonai, come on, Jehovah Jireh, he is all of these different things, and if you don't subscribe to that, you're not getting an invitation to the table. He is the only one who can turn a beast into a beauty. He's the only one who can take water and turn it into wine. The only one who can make a scarlet garment white as snow. The first to conquer death. And he has the last word. It is finished. He looks at the sinner who's repented of their sin and says, Rise, my beloved beauty. Join me at the table. Dance with me in the ballroom. Beauty and the Beast. He says, come dance with me in the ballroom. I want to take you for a spin. I want to, I want to do these things with you. And, and by the way, the, I got news for you. 
Angela Lansbury, Emma Thompson, Ariana Grande, John Legend, Peebo Bryson, that's his name, and Celine Dion have sung this song to near perfection. And this song's really good. It's a good song. It's a very well-written song. But it pales in comparison to the song sang in the halls of the Father in heaven. Because this is what the Father does. He scoops us off the living room floor. And he dances with us. He dances with us. He takes a beast. He takes a sinner. And makes them beautiful. It turns them into beauty. And church, I'd be willing to bet <clears throat> most of the people in here today know Jesus as their Savior. But if you don't know Christ and you've been waiting on a time to get it right, today's the day. Here's the deal. Some of us like to think that we can get by and we'll be all right. You can't get by and still be a Christian. It's got to be all, all or nothing. It really does. The only way that you'll ever make it to heaven, in fact, the only thing that you could ever do to contribute to salvation is to sin. Someone way smarter than me once said that. The only thing that you add to your salvation is the sin that it took to obtain it. I can't, don't quote me on that. I don't remember who said it, but it was somebody famous and way smarter than me, as I said. But that's the facts. You may be sitting there and thinking, I, I need to get saved, and I, I've been putting it off. You maybe you thought you've been saved for years since you were a child or, or maybe in your adult life or something. I don't know. I'm looking at a room mostly of adults. And maybe you, you've sat there and thought for years, oh, I'm not saved. Don't, don't get all the way to the throne room for Jesus to say, I don't know you. You're not mine. You have not obtained access. You are still a beast. Don't, don't get all the way there and miss that. Thank you for listening to this message. Our goal is to reach people all over the globe with the good news of God's Word. If you would like to partner with us by making a donation, visit our website at journey-church.com. That's journey-church.com. On a PC or laptop, and simply click on the Donate tab on our homepage. By partnering with us, you will help us reach the world for the cause of Christ. Allow me to pray for you. Lord, I pray you bless those who have heard your word today. May you also bless their family and those whom you place in their paths. I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.